0: Okay. Tom and Amy from Pod Jerky. Hi, everybody. Hey, guys. Tom's checking okay. out to make sure that we have some uh, some viewers here. <laughs> Perfect. I just wanted to make sure that
1: we went live. <laughs> that
0: we went live. <laughs> we don't want any any issues. No. No. <laughs> no uh, copyrighted
2: material playing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> how
1: how do you share this thing to your uh, like your actual right there. share. Share it to where?
2: I don't know. Right here.
1: No, those are groups.
2: Oh, I don't know.
1: I don't want to share it to groups. I want to share it to my page.
2: We're
0: doing a better... so my
1: friends can watch too.
0: <laughs> well, you can post after. Not,
1: not that they don't, not that they watch anyways, but
0: Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, there should be an option want... to share it to your own to your own page.
1: I don't know if anyone's watching yet. All right. <laughs> Boom! There. Oh, there we
0: really Brian. go. Brian,
1: Brian's here what's up brian
0: yeah there we go all right so um i'm gonna play that clip from your episode that we're gonna be discussing um so hopefully everyone can hear it because this is the way that we do it on the free StreamYard. <laughs>
2: the first time we walked into the toronto clinic and we sat there was the first time we ever had to actually go through an actual checkup and the ultrasounds and everything i think it was like standing room only in the waiting room and this waiting room could probably hold 60 people that's how big this clinic was and i think it was the first time that i realized that
1: we're not in this alone no
0: and there were so many couples. oh Good. perfect Brian's brian so said hear, we can yeah. hear oh, awesome perfect yeah so my first question is actually going to be did, have you guys listened to that episode since you recorded it yes okay yeah yeah we have what are the feelings that come up when you when you heard it
2: i think for me it was nice to kind of get it off our chest Um, I think it was the first time you and I probably sat down and went through the full story together. Um, because for us, we were living it right. And we never really, other than what was happening in the moment, we really never talked about it. Um, so it was kind of nice just to sit down and like kind of go through the whole journey again and how long it took and all the steps that we went through. It was, it was kind of freeing almost to kind of just get it all off our chest.
1: Yeah. And I think because when we, during the episode, I think we mentioned it too, was that, our friends didn't really want to talk to us about it because it's a touchy subject. Right. So I don't think they knew how, yeah. And you feel like you were going through it alone. And I knew we weren't alone. Like if we really wanted to, we could talk to our friends, but it was just a touchy subject for anybody to actually want to talk to you about. So we uh, felt alone at that point. Yes, very much.
0: Yeah. What I I know that pod jerky usually doesn't do a lot of these deeper episodes um so like what really made you decide to to openly talk about this topic
1: well i think um we our second episode in after our i think both of our dogs are barking i think i can hear yours and
2: mine Oh yeah mine's howling ours is howling
1: (laughs) um our second episode in, we actually talked about uh when i went through kidney failure Mm -hmm. and i actually went back and listened to that episode today actually made me cry And um,
2: it it was gold. Yeah, it it, it was
1: gold. Um, (laughs) Because he got me to cry. Yeah. Uh, So we got like, you know, we went into that kind of area there. And then we said, you know what? We're just starting out. Let's let's touch on something that a lot of people don't talk about because it's very hard to talk about. And then maybe by them listening to what we had gone through and we're very open about everything that we talk about. And we don't have any problems sharing it with other people. We were hoping that maybe somebody... If anybody wanted to, they could reach out to us and say, hey, you know what, this is what I'm going through. Do you have any advice or just somebody to talk to just to get them through uh, certain situations?
0: Do you feel like you had a good listener base for that? Did you have anybody reaching out to you after?
1: No, I didn't. I don't think anybody has reached out as of yet.
2: We had a few people in our neighborhood who know us um, who had listened to the episode and actually reached out. And, um, you know, they were couples, they're probably, I would say, between 10, maybe 12 years older than us. um, And they said, what a different experience. So they also had gone through fertility and just the difference in medical advancement and the requirements and the psychology requirements, the mental health check-ins, Um, the funding, all that was completely different uh, for them and their experience. And they even said it was such a taboo topic back then um, to talk about. Nobody, if you had fertility issues, you never talked about it. It was like you would go into the clinic in secret. And so she's like, it's so nice to hear that people are finally willing to talk about it. Um, Because I think most couples who do go through it, You know, our, our family, we have people in our family who have been through it and they didn't talk about it at all until after they were pregnant. They, so we, we had no idea that they were even going through it and their family. Um, So we've had a few people reach out and just say like, it was just nice to, to hear other people having kind of similar experiences.
1: Yeah. Because everything has changed over the years, right? I mean, even when, in the
2: time that we were doing it, it changed.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. like for us, the way I know between Canada and the U.S., it's a it's a lot different for mm-hmm. a treatment. Um, but we just we kind of fell last backwards into something while mm. we were going through it. And we we had gone through the IUIs and the IUIs are covered yeah. uh, under OHIP, which is Ontario our, our Ontario health plan. And so we had gone through that uh, two or three times, I think. Yeah. So we we finished that, and then for the IVF, the IVF we found out was going to cost us about twenty grand, and we said, you know, let let's still do it. Let's let like it's it's twenty grand, but we want to have kids, so let's mm-hmm. go ahead with it. And we fell into this program that they had just released in Ontario, where five thousand people were issued uh, free. IVF
2: Mm -hmm. funding for one one cycle for
1: one cycle. And we fell into that where our clinic was, I believe our clinic had out of the 5,000 in Ontario or Canada, Ontario, Ontario, there was 5,000 tickets. Ours had, I think between six and 800 of them. Mm -hmm. So we got lucky and we fell right into that and they applied for us and we ended up getting it. So we we're like, Hey, this is a bonus. Like this is just,
2: our timing was perfect because yeah. once they ran out of tickets, you basically went on a waiting list. And, um, the, I think the thought process was that the government would give new funding every year. So they would give five, 5,000 worth of coverage every year to do it. Um, so we just happened to have our appointment in January and the funding got released in December just before the fiscal year so it we were I think and even then we were like the second week of January and they had already handed out 300 tickets at our clinic by the time we even went in and it was only middle of January at that point so it just it completely worked out in our favor for being able to apply for it Um, but yeah
1: yeah so everything got covered and and we went ahead with it and then that actually didn't end up working either so yeah
0: (laughs) No, nope, we are childless <laughs> <laughs> well sometimes you know it's sometimes they're they're blessings in disguise You know you you yeah. you you try and try and try and then sometimes it's just that's unfortunately the way that mm-hmm. your life is supposed to go and yeah. so you know um you you did talk about in the episode that you you have your dogs so you know you you have your your kids or like everyone yeah exactly so like do you feel like they've kind of f- filled a little bit of that void
1: oh yeah oh huge definitely yeah yeah
0: yeah, yeah. and I'm legally allowed to leave them
2: home alone so it's okay. yeah, exactly yes,
1: yeah.
2: yeah exactly
1: I mean yeah. the the one thing that we do say um not having kids is that we have the freedom to do more of what we want other than having um, kids where we have to go on their schedule. So if we have to take them to sports or on their school schedule or, or whatever it is, which don't get me wrong, we would have loved to have that. Um, But um, you get, you know, you get to have your own freedom. So we can take vacation whenever we want. We can, you know, leave the house whenever we want, we can do whatever we want. And that's, uh, that's the one, I guess, positive that came out of it. Mm -hmm. If you can call it that.
2: Right. yeah. yeah. And I mean, it took us a long time to come to grips with it um, and, you know, make the decision that we were done trying. Right. We put it off for a long time. You know, we kind of just stopped talking about it. Um, and then I think we got the a bill, a storage bill. And it was like, "Ooh, we should really make a decision on whether or not, you know, we want to keep doing this. Um, we're still paying money out and we haven't made a decision yet. So it probably took us six months. And, you know, after I guess what, seven years of trying, we just got to a point where we had, we, you know, we were almost 40 at that point. And, you know, we just needed to make it, we needed to make a call.
0: Right. What was it that, that prompted you to finally go seek help with your fertility issues? Was there something specific that, you were curious about was this kind of just you know spur of the moment like let's just get everything checked out
1: well i think what happened was is we actually waited two years so we tried for two years Mm -hmm. and nothing was happening so we said you know what let's go to the doctor let's see what they have to say and we ended up having a fertility clinic here Uh, where we are about 10 minutes from us. Mm -hmm. Um, So we called them and they set up an appointment, we went in,
2: which is odd, because normally you need a doctor's referral. And, and they thankfully were taking um, patients without referral. Um, Because our doctor had said, Oh, you know, like change diet, lose weight, do different things first. And we're like, but we've, actually been trying for two years and he's like no but do these things first before we give you a referral so we ended up taking it into our own hands um and i we started doing research and you know i just happened to fall upon this clinic it was new in town and i phoned and they were willing to take us for an assessment
1: but and then what they had told us was is that it's Actually, people go after one year of trying mm-hmm. and that uh, we waited two years and they said that's a long time to wait. And we were like, what? We thought that was like a short period of time. Yeah. Like who, who would have known like after a year of trying, go to the doctor, go to fertility clinic and get in there. Mm-hmm. But apparently that was what they were telling us is that the statistic is that after a year people get upset, like or you know, uh, tired of trying and not getting any results. And then they come to the, the fertility clinic.
0: Right. So after two years, it was just kind of like, okay, it's been two years. Like, let's figure this out. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
2: You know, and we were, we were in our thirties already, Mm -hmm. right? So we met in our late twenties, we got married in early thirties, you know, so we were creeping up on the age where it was starting to potentially become a problem, right? right. We were, you know, women over, th- we weren't quite, I wasn't quite 35 yet, but, um, you know, women over 35, the statistics are on a natural conception, 34%. Mm. Um, so it's, you know, we we needed to seek it out and just try and like, let's just figure out what's happening.
1: I did have fun, Russell. <laughs>
2: of
0: course you have fun trying <laughs> exactly. right. yeah there's nothing wrong with that and you can continue trying it's there's no yeah. there's no harm in that there's no harm in trying yeah No, we'll be 50 and like <laughs> <laughs> yeah right. they it's always right. say
2: after you give up on fertility treatments that's when you conceive but but, but i <laughs> think we're past that. but know? i think
1: that's the problem too is that people put too much stress on it as yeah. well and and they told us this at the doctors too is that people put a lot of stress on it thinking you know what it's gotta happen it's gotta happen it's gotta to happen. And you see all your friends around you and your family members and everybody having kids and you're just like why why isn't it us? Why can't we do it? So you get more stressed in in that as well. So you got to kind of take that away and say, you know what, let's not stress, let's just let it happen. Mm-hmm. Because if we're going to stress over it, it's not going to happen.
2: Yeah. And then it turns out fertility is like the most stressful process you can ever go through uh <sighs> when it comes to trying to conceive a child. Mm-hmm. That that two week wait is the longest two weeks of your life from the day they do um either on the iui or the ivs cycle to when you're allowed to go and do the test and then you know google worst thing ever but best thing ever you go and and be like well how how early can you see symptoms how early will you know my body start to change and you start Googling all this crazy stuff, and you're like, "Oh, I, you know, I I think I my breasts are more tender than normal. I'm like, it, it must be true. Um, you know, I, is this changing? Do you notice a difference? And you know, and then the two weeks would come by, and obviously we'd get a negative, and we were like, we were so convinced this was the one, this was the cycle. So well,
1: well the first time we actually did the IUI, we were out in Vaughan. And we went to a lawyer's office. Oh, yeah, we had to renew our mortgage. Yeah, we had to renew our mortgage. So mortgage renewal. (laughs) Yeah. And we had had been out there and we were expecting a call that day for results. And we were like pretty confident. We're like, you know what? I feel it. Like, it's this is here. You're Put it into the universe. It's it's great. Everything's going to go good. And then they called us and they were like negative. And I think we both broke down in the car. Mm -hmm. Like we were driving and we just both broke down in the car because we were just like, you know, I had such a good feeling about this. So, I mean, that put more stress on it as well and uh that was kind of a blow to our i guess ego for a little bit there yeah um just to see like okay we need to we need to rework this and see where else we can go with it
0: right did you get results as to what the issues were
1: they or was it just that
0: everything was kind of negative and
1: so they there was a whole bunch of issues i guess mm-hmm. that they came out with mm-hmm. like um they couldn't pinpoint going down to it, it was either me or if it was amy mm-hmm. uh, we both had actual procedures done right. mm-hmm. um, to to get uh, different results and those results came back pretty positive i guess um, mm-hmm. and we were able to use certain things uh, from those procedures to actually run an ivf i think for the ivf, IVF cycle. cycle for the ivf cycle Um, And it still came back negative.
2: Yeah. And I think like um, they run a whole series of tests on both of us. And my issue specifically was, I actually wasn't ovulating, so my body was doing all the things it was supposed to do, but I actually wasn't growing a follicle and releasing an egg. And so my what they do is they sort of track your hormone levels over the course of two months um, before they actually start any uh, procedures. Because and you go for blood work pretty much every day, um, and they test to see if your different levels go up and. Um, on certain days of your cycle, they should see spikes in certain times and I just wasn't having them. And so they're like you you're not ovulating so it doesn't matter what's with Tom <laughs> there's nothing there. Yeah. Um, so then it meant fertility medication to help the process along um, yeah. to be able to actually get a follicle in an egg and,
1: and I'm gonna I'm gonna leave the door open here for a Russell joke oh, um, I, I I got I got to poke Amy in the butt. every day oh yeah with a big needle yeah (laughs) Russ you're
0: Mm up (laughs) oh
2: my god I can't
0: even so I was excited when I when I first met Tom through our networking this was one of the first episodes that I listened to because um Dan and I not that we're having fertility issues, we're not necessarily trying to have kids, but we do plan to um, actually have a surrogate later down the road. So when I heard that you guys had this episode, I was so excited Mm -hmm. to listen to hear what your journey was and like what you guys had went to. Mm -hmm. Oh, Russ. (laughs) I can't. Um, Terrible. So that part of it the 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 needle sticking you know so that you can actually get your your eggs you know promote that egg growth like that's not something that you want to do every day (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. that's not something you look forward to doing but in the long run you know you're you're so excited for what it's going to bring and so to me that's not i'm i'm not you know, looking forward to it, but I know that it's going to bring about something that that's positive. So I was actually listening to this episode again today to prep for, for this. And, uh, Dan was listening to it with me. And he heard the piece where Tom, you mentioned that you had to get your prostate shocked. And now because you were having fertility issues, you were going through a little bit more of the process. And Dan's response was, um, I, I, I don't I don't wanna do that. <laughs> so I said to him, Well you don't have to do that. That's not no, you will you no. won't have to do anything. Yeah. But I can't imagine like when you were told this is the procedure we're gonna have to do for you, like what was going through your mind?
1: I went. Let's go. Let's do it.
0: Yeah. I,
1: I didn't. I didn't care. I was okay. like, you know, whatever it's gonna take, because uh, we really wanted to have kids. Like we yeah. had a whole plan, you know, to have a family and you know, have little ones running around. And and I didn't care what it was gonna take. And for that procedure like they sent me in to do the aftermath a, not fun yeah well they had the prostate exam no the beforehand not fun <laughs> no, they,
2: no you put coming in because they obviously had to go under like they considered yeah. an oh, actual yes. operation yeah. and he he punched a nurse in the face coming oh, out of the anesthetic no. yeah.
1: so i get violent <laughs> when i go under because oh, i don't know no. what's going on i hate the fact that i don't know what's happening and then when yeah. you wake up and Somebody had their arm like their hand like crushing my arm against like the side of the gurney yeah um that they were wheeling me out on so it was like pinching my arm so I kind of just threw up my arms like in like self-defense almost because you're, you're coming too you don't know what where yeah. you are what happened and uh I ended up hitting the nurse and I went back and I apologized later because oh, I yeah. was like so sorry I didn't like i I was just she was like you're no, a terrible
2: no. patient yeah it's terrible <laughs> and then he all of a sudden you apparently when they like he terrible patient he they took the tube out because obviously they intubate you um and apparently he threw up when they took the tube out and apparently some of it went back into his lungs so then i'm sitting in the waiting room going like he should be in recovery by now like what is happening no one's called me no one's done anything so i went up to the desk i was like can you call in and see what's happening with my husband and and they're like okay yeah you can come back so I come back and all of a sudden they've got the portable x-ray machine they're putting the big blanket on top of them and they're like I'm sorry man we have to step out and I was like can someone please tell me what's happening like that's my husband I don't he went in for like the simplest like 15 minute procedure why are you giving him a chest x-ray so
1: Dan don't get scared eh? this just happens to me
2: <laughs> it only happens to Tom it really does he's the worst luck ever Um, so he gets the the chest x-ray done and at this point they've basically like shoved me out of the room and they're like no please go away please go away and then it's another 45 minutes before they call me back in like we should have been in and out that day and we're now going on like hour three and I still don't have any information. Um and so they finally call me um they call me back and they're like oh this is what happened you know he he threw up when we were taking it out and now he now he's got liquid in his lungs (laughs) so now we have to monitor his lungs and then his oxygen levels wouldn't come up. And by worst patient ever, he's sitting in the bed going, I feel fine. I feel fine. Just I let me Just Give let me. me. I, want Just me I want to go home. I want right. to go home. Get out of here. Why am I still here? Look, it's fine. It's fine. And then the, the more he talked and got anxious, the farther down his oxygen level would drop.
1: But that's twice. I talked myself out of the doctors. Yes, you so did. I, you I went I talked, pee
2: and they finally let you leave. Yeah,
1: so I, after I went to the washroom, they said, OK, you can go home. <sighs> and then even when I went in for kidney failure, like after the day six. Yeah. They were like, uh, they're
2: going to move you to, they're
1: going to move me. I was like, just send me home. I want to go home. And I talked my way out of it. And I said, like, they sent me home.
2: They called me and Tom calls me at home and he's like, okay, come get me. I was like, I'm sorry. What? (laughs) Like you're in the hospital (laughs) for another three to four days. Oh my God. And I got there and I said to the nurse, what do you mean you're releasing him? He's not ready to go home. He's like, yes, I am. Let's pack my bags. I'm getting out of here. Oh, geez. Worst patient ever. I don't do
1: well in places. I don't like, no. I just, I have to be in a comfort place.
0: Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not comfortable having to get these procedures done. No. No. And
2: (laughs) most men go into the the special place and, you know, they get the magazines and the movies and they do their thing and off you go.
1: Okay. Tom just wanted
2: to be difficult.
1: So, so let me tell you about that because I had to go through that. Okay. And.
2: You and every I, other guy I,
1: in the place. I, well, I went in, and this is like a a really nice facility too. It was like you know they had like TVs on the wall for you in this room, and they had yeah. you know videos and all this for, stuff. And, but it was like I was like I'm sorry, but nothing is happening in here with the videos you have in here right now, it's and it was just it was just so bad. I was like I don't know what is going on here, but this is not
2: right. And then they come in and they're like. Do you want to go in there and help him? Oh, oh yeah. He did <laughs> <probably like, "Yeah." laughs>
0: ask you. Oh, he's, yeah.
2: he's fine. I, <laughs> he's fine. He'll be fine.
0: <laughs> but they actually, that, that was it, funny like, because. There's no
2: shame in these buildings. You right? did like, your,
1: your you went under to get your egg retrieval done.
2: Well, they gave me the good stuff. Yeah. That made so, me really
1: loopy. Yeah. So she was loopy. And then they came out and that was the same time that they were going to fertilize the eggs. Yeah. Um. Okay so i had to go and do my stuff and then you did your like yeah. your your procedure and then they came back and they were like you were like out of it laying on the bed and they were like can you go and help him
0: <laughs> I and i was like she's,
1: she's laying in bed like knocked out and they're asking her to go and help me in another yeah. room i was like oh this is yeah. ridiculous but
0: wow it yeah.
1: is what it is yeah
2: that's like oh, all right you just never make anything easy again
1: no i like to do things <laughs> way.
0: Did you guys Ugh. know how, or, or I guess, could could you have expected how extensive all of this was going to be? Like, did you think that it was just going to be these simple procedures? You were going to, you were going to have the these eggs fertilized. You were going to mm-hmm. get this implantation. You were going to be done, have a baby. End of story. Exactly. Yeah. yeah.
1: That's pretty much how we thought it would go. We didn't if- like, even with the, when, when going through fertility here for IVF, you have to go and see psychologists mm-hmm. and we really? were like, for for what like why i don't need to and they need to see well this is this comes back to the point of when you're going through um donor right isn't it with donor We did have to do it for both so we had to do it for both so one
2: was a counselor and one was an actual psychologist the psychologist was the donor um the counselor was uh for the ivf and they just it's really just to make sure that you're emotionally prepared one for the amount of drugs the amount of procedures um the stress that it can put on the relationship because there's nothing intimate about fertility treatment whatsoever Mm -hmm. um even even the day of our egg retrieval um the doctor comes in and he's like well i have a medical student here today would you mind if they came in and observed i was like well there's already 12 people in here what's one more (laughs) like at this point everyone has seen everything and the, the strangest part of this is probably a little personal, but when they do the procedure, the doctor is standing and so they raise the bed up. So I am basically oh, laying yeah. flat at his face like it just so I'm like
1: and he's like six foot two and
0: they like, raise the bed I'm like five Hi. feet I'm like, in the yeah. air.
2: I'm basically yes. at everybody's eye level. Bizarre. And, you're just like do you not do this procedure sitting like what why am I so high in the air and then they like tilt you back and they make you lay there for like 10 or 15 minutes but then they forgot about me oh yeah and I and you have to drink like two liters of water to do the procedure because they go in with the egg retrieval via ultrasound Mm -hmm. so there's a ultrasound technician beside you and then the doctor's doing the retrieval with the needle um like vaginally obviously but it's uh so I'm laying there I'm upside down basically so I'm laying with my head down and my legs in the air and I had to go to the bathroom like my bladder was going to explode and they forgot we were in the room they thought that we had gone back to the recovery room Oh. And so Tom had to go to find a nurse because he couldn't figure out how to get the bed down. Oh my so god! Like my feet are six feet in the air, my head's down. Oh my god! You get up, so, you go find them. Yeah. Wow. Oh my god, it was so funny. At least Tom yeah. was there. At <laughs> least Tom was there, <laughs> <laughs>
0: Just yelling in the rooms. Can somebody please let Yeah. Oh my, <laughs> yeah. my yeah. goodness. So it's, there's like all of these extra added stressors that like shouldn't have even been part of this and you know and you know it's it's good that you guys can laugh about it um were you like that while it was going on like were you were you still finding the humor or was it a little more no
1: yeah (laughs) but i think we were we were supportive of each other yes, we, were. we yeah. were you know we talked about it we didn't like you know hide any of our emotions or anything mm-hmm. like that we we just we went with what we were going through at the time so uh yeah. we didn't laugh about it um yeah. i think at one point after a certain amount of times of trying we threw our hands up in the air and said of course it's just that's just our luck you know And yeah. we kind of had a laugh about that because i'm like this just happens to us all the time so it had to be us. And I always say the laws of averages, right? One in 10. I said, I'm Tom, always that one in 10. one. I'm the one.
0: Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. My goodness. Uh, so you had actually, you just mentioned that you had to see counselors and, and the psychologists yeah. and everything. When you were in those sessions, do you, did you feel like you were finding out a lot about yourselves? Like not necessarily about each other, but about your, your own self when you were in those sessions?
1: Not for me personally, no. because I I didn't care to be there. I was just like, let's just give them what they want and yeah. go home because I don't care to talk to these people. I know we have to do this by law. It was like, it's law that yeah, you have weak, to do it, yeah. but let's not give them more than we have to. Yeah.
2: I would say we probably, when we had to do the interview with the sperm donor clinic, that one to me was more personal than any of the people we had to meet with. Because the counselor for IVF is really just like, you know, do you understand the procedures? Do you understand the length of time? Do you understand the commitment? Um, you know, Tom, are you aware of what Amy's going to have to go through and vice versa? Um, you know, these are the side effects, like it was more of a an awareness kind of conversation. And more are you guys on the same page about what the next couple of weeks months whatever that might look like and then the psychologist when we did the donor was more which surprised us was more around how we were going to handle raising a child that was potentially not biologically ours mm. um or at least would not be biologically Toms right. um and it was more around you know, what happens with kids who are donors and how the success rates of telling them versus not telling them. And, you know, how do you work it into their life story? Um, And it's like, here's the facts and the statistics around it versus kids who are adopted. What's your comfort level with that? Do you think you could be able to do that? Are you prepared more for Tom? Like, are you prepared I, that they're not biologically yours? Do you feel any guilt or resentment by that? Like that kind of stuff. But
1: but two things there is that I had said, you know what, we were looking at adoption and we were looking at donor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know what, let's try because at least it's 50% ours. Um, if we did go down the donor road, it's mm-hmm. it's still going to be at least biologically, you know, Amy's. But then I, I, I also thought about it as like, I don't need to answer these questions right now. We don't have a baby. So I don't need to answer of how am I going to deal with it when they get out cross that bridge when I get there. Yeah. So I don't know why these questions are asked now. I know they want to prepare you for certain things. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I don't need to answer this because it's just not something we need to be prepared for. It. Can you get us through this process now? Mm-hmm. And then down the road, we'll worry about that, like one thing at a time, right? Yeah. So you're just adding pressure to what you're going through. Like if if I was going to a psychologist for this, it would be more of prepping me for the procedure that's upcoming and making sure that I'm okay with it in terms of uh it not being biologically mine but to be to ask all these questions about are you prepared to tell them and how are you going to tell them and these are the statistics i thought that was a bunch of nonsense for the time
2: yeah. yeah he was a lot more comfortable with it than i was so i think i had this and i don't know if it's a girl thing but like this sense of guilt that if, if it was successful, that biologically, that baby would be mine and not his. Right. So I had a much harder time with it, um, where you viewed it as, man, if this gives us a baby, it doesn't matter. Blood is blood, whatever, but family is family. Yeah. And you know, there's lots of families that are blended or, you know, they're not biological and they are perfectly happy families. He's like, it doesn't matter. We want a kid, if, no matter what the means are of how we get one. Right. Right. Yeah.
1: And, and if you go through adoption, you, you, you know, the kid's not biologically yours either. So right. what was the difference of us going to try and donor versus going through adoption? So, right. you know, I said, let's try this route first. Let's see where it goes. Unfortunately, it didn't work. Um, And then, you know, and then we moved on and and said, you know what, let's let's go down the adoption road. Let's see how that works out.
0: Mm -hmm. Right. Was there ever talk about an egg donor? You can't in Canada. You can't. Okay. And that was going to be my next question. So that's not legal in Canada. So we had, not to my
2: understanding, either that or it was very expensive. One of the two, like the legal procedure to get an egg in Canada. No, you cannot
1: donate eggs in Canada. So we had leftover eggs from yours, Mm -hmm. right? Oh, that's right. We we wanted to donate what we had left over and not used, and they said we cannot. We destroy the eggs. We Mm -hmm. uh, are not allowed in Canada by law to donate eggs.
0: Wow. Okay. That's so interesting. Is there what? even well, you know
1: the a sperm donor as well. Sperm donor, it's not legal in Canada here
2: either. Mm-hmm. Right. So, he would um, be a
0: sperm donor. Yeah. You had mentioned that it had to be from the US, the sperm yeah. donor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you know the legal reasoning for that? We
2: don't pay.
0: They, okay. they won't pay the sperm oh. Yeah.
2: Okay. All right. And I I guess they treat it like a transaction. I don't know. Yeah. And I think because of legal, like obviously legal reasons, because you're essentially signing over any right to that yeah. um product, essentially, right? right? So um that was the weirdest pro- process. So we had to meet with the lady from the, the clinic, the sperm donor clinic, and she basically goes through it's probably an hour and a half, and it's questions, eye color, blood type, hair color, heritage, height, body build, all these kinds of things. And then you have two options. Either they can just give you a login and you can go and through thousands and thousands of profiles, or they can do like a search for you and say, send the top 25 that they think matches based on the criteria.
1: I didn't want to go through thousands of profiles. No, so We had
2: her send them over, but it it's like, I don't know if this is a, a fair comparison, but it's like a online dating profile. That's what it was like. Okay. And so you would sit there and, and, you know, in some cases, the people that donate write letters saying like, here's why I donated. Here's what I hope the outcome is for you. Um, It goes through family history, medical, from like
1: great grandparents to grandparents, to yeah. parents, to, to all the diseases that run in their family uh, history
2: what um, they like to do from a sports academics. I, I want to say even GPA or what is it? Yeah. Is it GPA? Yeah. I don't know what it is. We don't say that here, but, um, but like their scores for school and yeah. you know, what they, what they hope if they're not students, cause some of them are, that's how young some of these kids are, oh, wow. um, yes. you know, what their profession is, um, what their parents' professions were. But it each was profiles, profile
1: but is, but they're like 25 to 30 pages long yeah and you go through all of these and we ended up finding
2: one that looks similar to me some of them have photos and some of them don't okay and So it's kind of awful. So you go and you read this profile and you're thinking like, this is, this guy's perfect. This is everything. Heritage, hair color, body type, build, medical's clean.
1: And then you look at the picture and you go, nope.
2: (laughs) And you're like, oh, I don't know. You know, because at the end of the day, there's potential that this baby looks completely like the donor and nothing like me.
0: Exactly.
2: And, you know, that's a face we have to stare at for the rest of our lives. And... It it's so awful because like, I said to Tom, I I don't I feel so like incredibly judgmental right now, oh. but then at the same time this is also our future, so I think we're allowed really? to be. But it it felt very selfish yeah. and very judgmental yeah. to go nope, like I that's not what I want. Right. Um, and so funny enough, the one we did pick looked a lot like him as a kid. So
0: okay. Oh well, that's good. That was kind that's of hard to find.
1: And he had the same like heritage, background heritage, yeah. and yeah. Um,
0: clean medical history. Yeah, clean
1: medical history. So we yep. were like, okay, so- let's we'll try with this one. And then we went through with the process and didn't work. didn't work. Didn't work. Didn't work.
0: How long was the the entire process of all of this? Oh god. Seven years almost? Yeah. Seven years. Wow. Seven year journey. Yeah. How would you say your relationship was through that? Do you feel like it, it it strengthened your relationship while you were like going through all of that together?
2: Yes. For me, it It did. I hope for you. it did.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes, it did.
0: Good answer. (laughs) (laughs) That was funny. Um, So
2: for me, it did. I think, um, The communication had to be there um, for how we were feeling. And, you know, we had so many decisions to make and so many um, things we had to consider that we were you were kind of forced to have to talk about it with each other, you know, and you couldn't really hide anything or I mean, the fertility meds, in all honesty, are awful. And I was crazy emotional.
1: They they made her pleasant around the house.
2: I was lovely. No, and I can fully admit it. It was awful. Like I would. Hormones are going insane. Yeah. Like, you know, it.
1: I said you were pleasant.
2: You're such a liar. (laughs) (laughs) Like I remember driving home one day and I was, I got caught in traffic and I just started bawling. Like I don't want to be in traffic. This is awful. I don't want to sit in traffic anymore. And I came home and he's like, why are you so sad? I'm like, I was in traffic. (laughs) Like, unreasonable amount of emotion. Right. Right. And it's, and not logical. Right. Right. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you have to think it's not even just the, the medications that you're on. It's again, the stress that you're under it's, it's so much of that mental stress that you had to endure while, while you were (laughs) going through all of it, you know, there you go. (laughs) So, you know, there's so much else that's happening, inside that like people don't even know is happening
2: you know well i remember i hope you're okay that i'm gonna share it because i'm gonna anyway Mm -hmm. but our first iui that we did um you have to basically lay on the bed after the procedure for like 20 minutes and you don't sit still on a good day and so now add the stress of all of the fertility that's happening and you know the procedure day is finally here it's our first time or whatever and he's literally like out of nowhere just stands up and he goes, I gotta go. And he like walks out of the room. And I'm I'm on the bed. I can't go anywhere. And I'm like, Did did he seriously just walk out on me? Like, where did he go? No explanation, no nothing. And he's out pacing in the parking lot. And I get dressed. Of course, I'm bawling in the room going, did did he seriously just leave me here? Like, this is supposed to be this epic moment. Potentially, you know, we're about to conceive a child here and he just leaves me laying on the bed and it's not like I can chase after him. Right. And- so I come out of there, we get into the car and I'm like, what the F was that? And he's like, I had a panic attack. He's like, I just had to get out of the room. Yeah. And I said to him, like, can you next time just give me a heads up? Like I really thought oh. you were being a total ass and yes. just left me. You know, like it's it just for it, both. It got of us.
1: overwhelming. Yes. And and I just I I'm not used to getting panic attacks. Like yeah. I don't that doesn't happen to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I usually can handle my emotion. I usually can handle Uh, anxiety, I can I can handle that pretty well. So for me, it ended up being just a little too real and a little Mm -hmm. too, too much that I just, I I didn't know what to do. I felt closed in, in the room. Like the room just felt like it was just closing in on me. So And they were small rooms to begin with anyways. But I mean, I just felt like the walls were just kind of closing in. So I was like, you know what? I I can't, I got to get out of here. And I had no no like ill intentions towards Amy. It was just that, that's that's just the feeling I had at that time. Almost like you were getting dizzy and you just had to to leave. But I
2: didn't know this, right? Right, And obviously I didn't know that at that point he even had panic attacks. Like that was probably when we started started to first figure it out. Mm -hmm. Um, And you've only had a few of them and most of them it's in stressful situations or, um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was tough. And that after that, I think forced us to really make sure we were checking in with each other yeah. um, just emotionally and how we were feeling. And, you know, at any point, one of us didn't feel comfortable with what was happening or, you know, we were tired or done. Then we had to have an honest conversation with each other about whether or not we wanted to continue. Yeah.
1: But that's where we went into like looking into adoption as right. well. And, and, and looking in hindsight, you 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 know, you think, okay, adoption is my last resort. Mm-hmm. And really, it shouldn't be. You okay. should be preparing for adoption right from the get-go. Yeah. Um, knowing what we know now, because adoption process is a lot longer than they actually right. And you actually think it is. Yeah. So, you know, we had to go and see a counselor for that. And we had to go and see, we would have had to take some courses as yeah. well to become adopt ready, mm-hmm. uh, even to foster kids. The same mm-hmm. thing. I don't know how it is in the U.S., but over here we had to be adopt ready, they call it. Yeah. Um. They come into your house. They check your house. They check your dogs. They check you bank know accounts, your bank accounts. Interview to family. Your money. They interview family members and co-workers and mm-hmm. you know all this. And it was like, wow, this is this is an nuts.
2: invasion of privacy. Yeah, we didn't
1: yeah. know that this is what was going to happen. Yeah. And then to do it like an international adoption versus a domestic uh, adoption, you know, it's between sixty 000 and a hundred thousand dollars just to adopt, and you can put out all that money and the 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 mother that's putting the child up for adoption 28 days later can say, I want my kid back Mm -hmm. and you are out that money. Um, So we were like, you know what, do we want to take that risk? Uh, And we said, you know, it's I I don't think at this point I want to take that financial risk um, for them to just say, you know, it's not going to happen. You're not getting the kid.
2: Right. And there was a crazy statistic, the adoption counselor told us, which was um, during one of our, I guess, our government premier um, took away funding for teen teen pregnancy or teen moms. Um, So they didn't get a lot of funding or support um, if they opted to keep um, the baby. And so the adoption rates back then were, you know, three to five hundred kids a year were getting adopted. And then when the what we call our liberal government came in, um, they spent years um, kind of rebuilding sort of a platform for teen moms to say, like, if you really want to keep your child, we'll figure out ways to support you, whether that be through subsidies or funding or whatever it was. And so I think he said like in this would have been like mid two thousands. Um, he was saying, you know, though that three to 500 went down to like 50 adoptions and he's like, there are thousands upon thousands of couples looking to adopt. And so he's like, what makes you stand out next to, you know, the guy down the street and why would that mother want to pick you? And you basically have to create like a marketing campaign to say, why we're better people to look after your child for the rest of our lives than, you know, Bob down the street. Right. right. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. Wow. And then the whole, the whole fact of, uh, we looked at going through children's aid society here yeah. and because I work with special needs kids and, and I love them to death. I really do. Um, but they said that the chances of me getting a special needs kid out of child uh, children's aid uh, is almost a hundred percent. And they said, you would have to take a special needs kid. And if you don't, your name goes to the bottom of the pile. You can say no, but uh, your name goes to the bottom of the pile and you won't be called again for another few years. And I was like, you know what? I work and I work all day with them and I don't know if I would have the energy. Yeah. And it, it sounds selfish, but at the same time, I was like, you know, I don't know if we're ready for this. Like yeah. we're not, right. this isn't, you know, why? Why? why just because i work with these kids am i being told that that's who we have to take yeah. and they kind of force that upon you so as like, i mean, you know, I, i'm not i'm not ready for that
2: we never opted to go and talk to cas like once we talked to the adoption counselor we we had a conversation saying do we even want to pursue this like do we want to go and talk to them and really find out what the experience in in our area would be like um you know we we didn't know this guy but we we kind of trusted it. He'd been in the industry for 40 years. So we kind of took what he said to heart. So, you know, we didn't talk to CAS directly, but I was like, I don't know that I want to find out, you know, if, and the reality is, is the caseworkers get to pick which kids they think suit us. It's not like we get to say, you know, I read, you know bobby's profile i would really like to meet this kid they're like oh based on what you told us we think this kid would be a match for you you know and then there's this whole meet and greet and all these different things to decide if it's a fit i mean the kid gets to say too depending on their age but um you know it it, it was a really eye opening hour and a half conversation and no no amount of research on the internet prepared me for what he yeah. had to say right yeah you know and We have friends that have uh, like a friends of mine at work have had great success with it. And they, you know, it was a very smooth process for them. And, you know, they've got two beautiful kids through adoption. And I just, you know, when I was telling him what we were told, he's like, well, that wasn't our experience. You know, so we found it very different. But then that was also 10 or 15 years ago um, that they would have started their process versus now when we were trying to start ours. So, so little time changes things so quickly nowadays. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I I wouldn't. Tom, you mentioned, you, you know, it may sound a little selfish, but I, I wouldn't consider it selfish. If you, if you know that you can't necessarily have the best, um, I don't want to say best life for the child, but you, you can't take care of them the way that you want to because you already are having that stressor from work. You don't want to bring a child into that situation where you can't provide the best for them. So
1: I think that's why we we try to like opted against it because, you know, I don't know if it would be fair.
0: Right. Um, Exactly.
1: Yeah. Every day coming home from work, um, you know, I get beat up at work sometimes and Mm then to come home and, you know, and Amy's not educated in working with the special needs kids uh, and especially the ones that I work with like some of them are very violent and uh, some of them are very gentle so I mean it, it all depends so you don't know uh, what you were gonna get and we didn't have like a pick, right? We didn't get to see the kids. We didn't get to yeah. their, it would just be kind of dumped on us. Like Amy right. said, here this is the one that we want you to take and this is the one you're gonna take. If you say no, we're gonna put your name to the bottom of the pile. And well they don't actually see, tell you that part. But... <laughs> but see in like, you know, five to six years, basically, yeah. right? Yeah. Newborns are out of the question. You're never gonna get a newborn because everybody wants a newborn.
0: Every, yes. Yep. That's yeah. the same here. Exactly. Everyone wants the baby and yeah, that's just that's how it is. Yeah. Um All right. So I have one more question for you guys. So if you could tell someone who is going through that anything, what would it be?
1: I think my advice would be talk to people. Uh, don't go through it alone. Um, reach out to people. There are many, many groups on Facebook mm-hmm. actually right now that I kind of found a couple of them uh, just to promote the fertility podcast just so that they could actually hear it. And then if they had any questions, I could actually Talk to us about it and reach out to us. Don't go through it alone. Don't hold in your emotions. Mm-hmm. Uh, go, go and talk to people. Even if it's not your friends, you can go into these groups. You can have uh, conversations with people. Yeah. You can get onto a live chat with them. You can go onto mm-hmm. Skype or, uh, like we're doing right now, in a Facebook chat or a StreamYard or whatever you want to do. Uh, you can actually go onto these and talk to each other about it. There's a good support network out there um a lot of friends don't want to talk to you about it just because it is such a touchy subject but there's a ton of people going through it in this world right now and they want other people to talk to as well so don't go through it alone that's all i have to i guess Mm -hmm. say
2: and i think um female to female um is it's okay to have feelings through this whole thing um and You know, at the same time, when I was happy for my friends that were getting pregnant, there was this sense of. You know kind of guilt for being upset that it wasn't me or you know this sort of self-pity that I, it, like we weren't getting what we wanted to um, but it didn't take away from the fact that I was happy that is so normal and that is okay um, and it's okay to feel happy about it sad stressed mad like allow yourself to feel all of those things because it's normal and you're not alone that that's the one biggest thing I I think from day one for us, when you walk into that waiting room and you see the people, the races, the same sex couples that are all going through this too, everyone's personal situation is a little bit different about why they're there, but at the end of the day, they're all going through it too. Um, and it's okay to feel that way.
0: Yeah. Great advice. Yeah. All right. Is there anything else you guys want to share?
1: Uh, I, I don't think so. I think we yeah. kind of touch base on everything that, right. uh, we kind of talked about in the episode. I mean, if anybody does want to reach out, if anybody's listening out there, um, I don't see we have a lot of listeners right now, but you know, if they go back and listen to this and they are going through anything and they do want to talk, private message me if you want, or direct mm-hmm. me. I don't even know what you call it anymore, DM, PM, whatever they call it now. <laughs> yeah, yes.
0: whatever yeah.
1: it's called. <laughs> um, yeah, go ahead, reach out to, to one of us if you want to talk, uh, and we can try and help you with, with any information that you want.
0: Awesome all right well thank you guys this was awesome thank i you, learned a lot and i'm i'm sure you know if again if people go back and listen to this um i'm sure they'll learn a lot as well and uh russ says thank you <laughs> well thank you guys for having us <laughs> of course all right thanks guys yeah.
1: all right Have all right good night, everybody see you guys <laughs>
2: Turkey.